Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we uh, spout our questionable yeah, expertise it. into the yawning void of the yes, internet. Yes, I'm yes. Matt Heron. It's me, Jeff. I'm Louisa Heron. Hooray! I, power I maintain my balance like a Walenda. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up the other day, I don't remember why, Jen and I were having a conversation about the most dangerous- Oh, we were talking most about that metal game? ball. If you were going to say you were yeah. having a conversation about a murder circus, I totally yes. would believe that you guys would do that's that. That's what I'm- Yes, that's what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> okay. We were, tr- we were talking about what the most dangerous things to do at the circus are, because <laughs> uh, we started out talking about that like metal sphere where yes! people ride motorcycles around inside of- <laughs> <laughs> Which is like number four or something on the list. Hmm. BuzzFeed did a like the most like uh, deadly by percentage uh, things out the like jobs at the circus. Uh-huh. And number one on the list was just being a Walenda. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. What? That's so rough. What is this? The Flying what Walendas? Is what? The Flying Walendas is a family of people who invented what we think of now as acrobatics. They Mm. mostly did, like, tightrope walking and, like, tricks of, like, standing on top of a very thin pole and stuff like that. Um, But apparently, per capita, for the number of Walendas that there are, the number that died in the circus is more than any other job-to-death ratio at the circus. Oh, there's still one of them around. Yeah, there's like a, a, is it the like 70 year old woman who still does circus stuff? <laughs> no, it's a, uh, Nicholas Walenda who is 42. Mm. He's a seventh generation member of the Flying Walendas. Dang. He, he's the one who did the tightrope walk across the, uh, Grand Canyon, right? <laughs> I don't know. This article's really long. He's done a lot of stunts, including a stunt that killed his great grandfather. Oh, yes that's, that's what that's i'm scary. saying the, this family does that all the time we watched a video maybe she's dead now but we watched a video from like not that long ago where steve harvey was hosting it and it was the the like you know 70 year old woman who was one of the walendas and she was climbing up a pole and doing like a handstand on top of a pole the size of a strand of spaghetti and you're like you can stop <laughs> Pretty good. just stop you don't have to keep doing this mm-hmm. we would we would respect you anyway. I wouldn't. You gotta be the inspiration for the Graysons, right? In the Batman. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, definitely, yes. Especially because the most uh, famous thing that happens to the Graysons is they die in a circus accident. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't that turn out to be somebody's fault on purpose, right? Sometimes so, it's yeah, a mafia revenge. guy in the cartoon, okay. it's Two-Face. The, 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 is it? No, it's not Two-Face. There's a, um... The, the animated series won its only Emmy for the two-parter called Robin's Reckoning, where he finds the mafia guy who did it, and then Batman's like, don't kill this guy, though, Robin, and Robin's like, actually, I'm going to. Oh. And he, like, steals the the motorcycle and goes and tries to beat this guy to death with a pipe. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, Tony Zuko in the cartoon. Yeah. It was Two-Face in the movie with Tommy Lee That's Jones. Right. Mm, yes. Yes, okay. Um, that was, like, genuinely maybe the best two-parter episode of Batman the Animated Series. I'm a big fan of the Emmy Award-winning episode, Heart of Ice. Is that about Mr. Freeze? Yes. It opens... Was that? Uh, it's the introduction of Mr. Freeze. Okay, yes. That starts with him in the darkness going, this is how I'll always remember you. And then it shows his wife as, like, a ballerina in a snow globe. It's really good. Yeah. All right. I remember the one with Nostromo, who's a fake Nostradamus. <laughs> yes, that was a good one. God, that show was good. I miss, like, 
I can still watch it. I've been looking through all my streaming. It's on HBO Max. Yeah, you can watch say. every episode. I know. I just like I want there to be more um like it's not even cartoons for adults, air quotes. It's yeah. like an all-ages cartoon that doesn't have anything in it specifically for kids. Yeah. You think you think this new one that Bruce Tim is working on is going to be good? I'm hoping, uh, but the fact that Paul Dini is not working on it has me a little bit worried, because J.J. Abrams is a bad writer. Mm, the yeah. great Paul Dini. Am yeah. I right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is great, but I do also get the joke you're making. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> the problem is, the... Bat- I don't know if the this Batman. is like... We must kill the Batman, yes, that's we, the problem. We do need to kill the Batman. It's simple, you just kill the Batman. <laughs> I mean, I will say, Bat- like, Batman is the worst character in that series. <laughs> <laughs> Batman really is boring. the worst character in Batman, in all Batmans. Well, he's the villain. <laughs> he's absolutely the villain in everything. I cannot believe, I mean, I can believe because this is like... DC would be tarred and feathered if they allowed this, but someone should write a comic of, like, a person being like, Batman, you are the villain and I'm here to defeat you for hoarding wealth and keeping it away from people who need it to survive. I'm pretty sure... Extra judicial uh, murders. (laughs) How about that? I'm pretty sure that happens at least once a decade, that that is a plotline, and at the end, Batman is vindicated. He's totally right. That's what I'm saying. Don't do that. Just turn Batman into a villain full-time. That would be amazing. (sighs) I, um... I think that if you if you're gonna write Batman, Warner Brothers is not gonna let you make him a dickhead unless you're Zack Snyder for whatever reason. Uh, so you have to figure out a way in which he's a necessary evil in this world that sucks. The thing yeah. that made me absolutely insane is that in Injustice, the the video game series by the makers of Mortal Kombat. Um, the plot is, like, they're trying to do basically the Civil War from Marvel Comics, where it's, like, uh, Batman and Superman disagreed about whether they should kill the Joker? Somebody. Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh-huh. Um and they made that Batman was the one who was the morally correct one, and I'm like, excuse me? That's weird. <laughs> Batman has never been morally correct. He's always wrong. Yeah. When I was young, I used to think, oh, you know, he doesn't use guns, he won't kill. Like, that shit is just noble nature. But the older I get, the more I think that he's just a pervert for, like, beating people with his fists. (laughs) Yeah. Because he won't use guns because it's not enough of a uh, visceral thrill for him. Also, several times he hits people with his grappling gun. How is that not using a gun, (laughs) Batman? I like the idea, I like the idea that, like, he won't use a gun because he knows he'd, like, be really good at it and would just like go bonkers and kill all criminals and so he why is that good that's a great quote from the book pride and prejudice which is a snooty old woman saying that uh if she had ever learned to play piano she knows she would be a great proficient to show like how conceited she is and that sounds like that kind of oh that man absolutely (laughs) knows how to use a gun he's definitely (laughs) used guns and become the best at using guns no 
Now that would be a funny joke in a Batman movie if he gets if he like snatches a gun from someone. He's like, how does this thing even work? <laughs> <laughs> I've never held one of these before. It's heavier than I thought it would be. Yeah, Ow, it's heavy. It's he- heavy with the emotional weight of my parents' death, and then he starts yeah. crying and gets bashed in the skull and dies. Where do you put the flint in this thing? He only knows about like muskets. Yeah, Alfred taught him all about guns, and Alfred is three hundred years old. Yeah. Alfred's a vampire. No, we've talked about this before. We can't talk about this again. It's true. So instead, we'll talk about Jeff. What did you do this week? I've been playing a video game called Anodyne. Um, it is uh, from 20... 20- annealing metal? Is that what Anodyne is? Mm, mm-hmm. Now I don't know what I'm talking about. Anodyne is an adjective that means not likely to provoke offense, uh, or an old-timey word for painkillers. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I... Uh, it's like, I've had the game for a while. It's from 2013. The reason I started playing it is because it popped up on PlayStation Now as a downloadable title, and PlayStation Now uh, is, at the time of this recording, but probably not anymore at the time of the release, 25% off, uh, which is a really good deal. Uh, It, like, never goes on sale. And PlayStation Now is the sort of, like, all-you-can-eat subscription PlayStation service, uh, where there's, like, a big library of games and you can just stream them from the internet. Some of them you can install to your system. Uh, But this one was, like, 100 megabytes. I'm like, yeah, I've been meaning to play this, but I have it on the computer, which is why I haven't played it. (laughs) Um, So I played it. Uh, I finished the main story in about seven hours. Uh, It Mm -hmm. is... It's like a Zelda-type sort of vibe, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, top, top down? The, yeah. The the analogy I would make is um, Anodyne is to A Link to the Past as Undertale is to Earthbound. Um, okay. It is... Uh, that's not meaningful to Louisa. Nope. No, I, but that's fine. I've played Earthbound and Link to the Past, so I've got half of the... Uh... <laughs> okay, now... It... You've got the same half of yeah, two parts exactly. of it, though. That's so I can, I can deduce this. If I put those into my uh, logic puzzle, I can figure out the rest of the squares. Yeah. Now imagine if A Link to the Past was a metaphor for depression and it had a bunch of really uh, dark parts in it. Isn't it? What about when that kid is what so sad? What about the dark world, Jeff? Yeah, what about that kid who's so sad he can't ever go back home and then just turns into a fucking tree? Oh yeah! Isn't that, that is in sad. Majora's Mask? No, because I have played this and I did I not see. like Majora's Mask <laughs> enough to play it. That happens in Majora's Mask too, though. Uh, it's a yeah. theme. It turns out it's a p- pastiche. Uh, anyway, Anodyne is quite good. You think it will be like a Zelda game, where every level or area will introduce a new mechanic, and you have to use that new mechanic to navigate the area. But no, it introduces. One mechanic, uh, which is that you have a broom, and you can use that broom to pick up little, uh, like, blocks of dust and put them in other places. Uh, and you could, okay. you could also attack enemies with the broom in the same way that, like, Zelda uses sword. Um, and when you put the dust on water, you can use it as a boat. If you put it in front of a, like, thing on the wall that's firing laser beams, it'll block the laser beams. And, like, it just... It, yeah, it just fully explores this idea of, like, you pick up the dust with your broom, and you put it into other places. Uh, and you finish the main story in about seven hours. I have played about 12 hours, because after you beat the game, there's one cool final ability that you only get in, like, the last level um, for one puzzle. But after you beat the game, the game's like, hey, now you can go use that 
fundamentally game-breaking ability everywhere. Uh, Yeah, and there's a bunch of, like, hidden stuff that is designed for you to find uh, by, like, getting out of bounds and going places that you previously could not get to. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Does it change the story? Do you find out, like, the way you were looking at it was all wrong from the whole from the beginning i'm not sure what the story is because it's very uh oh yeah you just click through all the dialogue and everything <laughs> no it's just it's just presented so vaguely like it's uh undertale is very obvious about what its story is but uh i think because this is aping a less uh cutscene intensive genre uh you kind of have to like fill in some of the gaps yourself with your own brain mm-hmm. um I think it's mostly understood to be a metaphor for the player character's uh, uh, fragile mental state, but I do not know anything beyond that except that it's fun, and there were some moments later on where I was like, oh, that is much darker than I expected, and I don't know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. So it might be darker than you expected, but you're not sure. Batman (laughs) might be the villain in this one. Could be, yeah. uh, but if you um if you bought that bundle against racism last year, uh, or maybe the Free Palestine bundle this year also has it in it, if you uh, you own it if you bought one of those. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there's also a sequel that mimics 3D Zelda games, uh, but I haven't hmm. played that yet, and I will probably play it next. Yeah, pretty good. Anodyne. Yeah, it sounds good. I mean, I might give it a try. I I do. I am much more forgiving of this, like, you know, 16-bit style retro game look than the 8-bit style that so many other games use. At least this looks like a good Super Nintendo game and not a very shitty Nintendo game like so many of them. Yeah, it's, uh, I would say that it is not particularly, like, high-quality pixel art, but it is... Uh, doing something stylistically interesting, uh, and occasionally, like, you enter a new place and you're like, whoa, why does this place just looks totally different than all of the other places? And that's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I don't know, it it doesn't, it doesn't quite hit the highs of something like Dead Cells or Shovel Knight or, what's another good pixel art recent game? One of them. One Uh, of them is Stardew Valley? Uh, Stardew Valley kind of looks like dump too. Yeah, Star- Stardew Valley is pretty janky. It's an excellent video game, but it doesn't. It looks. Would you like it better if it was uh, done in a different style? If yes, if okay. The only thing about it that I don't love is how terrible the the sprites of the characters look. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Anodyne, the sprites of the characters mostly look fine. Uh, some of the environments are eh. Uh, anyway, it's absolutely 100% worth your time to play. Um, any other questions about it before I roll the dice and ask one of you your, the, the thing? Does it explain why it's called Anodyne? It does not. That's That infuriates me. Why is A Link to the Past called A Link to the Past? There's no time because travel in that it, game. No, it's about, it explains the origins yeah. of Link before the first two games, Jeff. No, it yes. doesn't. It's a different Link. Yes, it does! <laughs> It's a different link. It's a different guy. 
Yeah, but that's it, the it, different guy theory, though. But if we're going with the one guy theory, it explains that there is no yeah, one the guy theory. Was, there the is. The title was made before the crazy timeline was, and a link to the past was supposed to be. Hey, did you ever wonder how Link got that uh, relationship with the princess? Here's the whole story of it. But in Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, it's explicitly made clear that, like, hey, uh, there's multiple, like, this is, this is Zelda's descendant and a different Link. There's a Zelda who's sleeping from, mm-hmm. like, a thousand years ago. It's all different. Yeah. And this, A Link to the Past is explaining how the whole, how Ganon first got his power. Like, I'm not making this up. I read every issue of Nintendo Power at the time. That was the point of it. That was why it was called that. Ganon is already powerful in it, though. Yeah, he's a wizard, but he becomes a pigman and the lord of, like, all evil in the game. That's the plot of the game. Oh, I love that he becomes a pigman. They really lost their way on that. He should always be a pigman. No, he becomes a pigman in most of them. In well, fact, Calamity all of Ganon them. Isn't a, Calamity Ganon isn't a pigman. Calamity he Ganon is, is the Ganondorf He's a pig form. cloud. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's when he, when, when you fight the final boss form, he's like a big boar. He's a big energy boar. A big laser pig. <laughs> I guess. Ah, oh, that rules. <laughs> uh, fine, I guess so. Right. I like to think none of the games are connected to any of the other games. Yeah, I, I think that that's, uh, correct. Oh, uh, <laughs> we could blame Nintendo of America for the bad title of A Link to the Fast anyway. It was just called Triforce of the Gods in Japan. Uh, Which gods? The <laughs> Golden Gods, I guess. <laughs> like the guys from that band. <laughs> who was the guy who yelled, "I'm a Golden God," and then jumped off of a roof? Was that was um, an almost famous? It was. What band? That was, was that? a reference to a real thing. Yeah. What though. band did he, they follow? Though I don't remember. Oh, it was called Stillwater in that movie, but right. The real band. I feel like it was like Cream or something. Yeah, that sounds like something Eric Clapton would do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Louisa, what'd you do this week? Uh, this week I've gotten way back into watching Poirot. You guys are both yeah. familiar with this? This is a mystery TV series. I am familiar yes. with the man, uh, as portrayed by Kenneth Branagh and no other version. Shit. <laughs> he does an okay job, but I far prefer David Suchet's yes. version, which he did for over 20 years, and they covered every single story Agatha Christie wrote about Hercule Poirot, and it covered a bunch of stories that weren't starring him, but they adapted them to star him instead. <laughs> yeah, he he is by far the best, and he doesn't do the thing that Kenneth Branagh does way too much of, like, the whole, my disability is a superpower thing. <laughs> like, you get the idea that Hercule Poirot is just kind of a dick in the David Suchet version. <laughs> Not that he's, like, mentally handicapped in some way. I just think he's very um, set in his ways. Uh, he's meant to be extremely fastidious about cleanliness and stuff. And one thing that's true of the books and the David Suchet version is he would fucking never chase somebody down, which happens in the Kenneth Branagh one. He chases a guy off the train and tackles him. Poirot would never, ever do that in a million yeah, years. Absolutely not. That's what he has Hastings for. Yeah. <laughs> I love Hastings. He's like a human dog. <laughs> He's a lot like Watson in that he just falls in love with whatever woman they happen to meet. Yep. He's uh, but he's like, times. everyone thinks he's charming, but then Poirot's like, hi, Hastings, go eat this steak off the floor. And Hastings is like, okay. And he goes, it's like, 
He's just like a big doofus. I yeah. love it. I really uh, like it was, it was it was Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin yeah. who said Oh, oh there we go. I was gonna mention. Uh I really like that Agatha Christie just positively hated Poirot. Yeah. She thought he was a complete dickhead, but she was like, oh, people like him, so yep. it is literally my job to write books that people will read. She was a very bad person. We know she was extremely racist. Uh, she seemed to hate women an awful lot, if you read her books. Uh, ableist, anyone who has a family member who goes to an insane asylum, they're suddenly like tainted from that. Um, the funny thing is, you watch the show and you kind of, like, forget that sometimes, yeah. and then every once in a while, Poirot will be like, well, she probably did the murder because she is Irish, and you're like, oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yes, so I know Agatha Christie, Agatha Christie hated Poirot because he was foreign, of course, and because he was, I'm not kidding, and because he was Catholic. She invented him! She could have just invented him different! She invented a lot of characters she hates. I don't think she likes any of them. <sighs> this is like how Orson Scott Card made a series of novels that are, like, anti-authoritarian and anti-war, but he's a huge, like, pro-war bigot. I don't think he knew that that's what he was doing. I think he <laughs> thought that they were pro-war. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah, isn't it awesome how Ender plays this video game and it turns out he's yeah. really killing people? That whips, right? <laughs> I genuinely think he was like, isn't Ender kind of a dweebus for trying to negotiate peace with these aliens instead of fighting them? I really think that was what his point of view was. God, stupid. <laughs> yep. Uh, but uh, it has another thing I love in a series, which is, um, uh, because every episode is its own thing, its own little mystery, you're always meeting new characters, so they're always having to hire new people. So you see a lot of people who are English actors who weren't so famous at the time. This is uh, the beginning of the 90s through the mid-2000s and yeah. are far more famous now. So it's very exciting to watch old episodes and see like Emily Blunt or Michael Fassbender in a funny hat when it's supposed to be like the 30s. I love it. Yep. Yeah, and you, there are a lot of very good performances in them, too. Even of actors who got famous later, you're like, oh, wow, they were even better before, <laughs> before they got famous. <laughs> Yes, and some good um, performances after the person has been famous. I recently watched one with Elliot Gould as a, uh, oh, a yes. American business tycoon and his daughter gets murdered. Um, so that's fun. I don't know why on earth he would go to England and do this, but he sure did. <laughs> and I mean, maybe he's a fan. Like, if I had the opportunity to go be in a Poirot, I would absolutely do it. <laughs> yeah, it's yes, the, that might be true. It's the closest you can get to being in a British law and order. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, there's a very good episode uh, from just a few years before the series ended, I want to say mid-2000s, with um, Tim Curry as a oh, yes. uh, guy who's insane about digging up pyramids, and he's having a great time, obviously, and it's very good. <laughs> oh my god, can you ask me what I did, please? <laughs> did you dig up a pyramid? Anyway, no, but I, I want to dovetails. I want to recommend to anyone, <laughs> this is very complicated because the world fucking sucks, you can watch Poirot seasons one through, I think, six, and then nine through 12 on BritBox, which you can get through Amazon Prime. If you want to watch seasons seven and eight, they're only on Acorn TV. So fuck everybody, <laughs> fuck everything. But if you can have access to any of these episodes, enjoy them because they're great. I think you can get a box set of the DVDs of all of them for less than a hundred bucks, though. That's what we did, because we were just like, fuck all of this. Yeah. I I think... Good comfort TV, if you don't mind murders, yeah. and I don't, if they're fake. 
I think that if you have a VPN, you can just go watch them on one of the British TV websites, all of them for free. That might be true. Um, all right, so I recommend that. Matt, what did you do this week? Well, we kind of lost the dovetail. Oh, uh, shit. I wanted to wrap it up, though. No, it's it's fine. Uh, we'll we'll get back to it. Um, so I had a few different things that through the course of the week, I was like, oh, I'll talk about this on the show. So I'm going to get through them real quick before I get to the one that we will actually want to talk about. Number one, I got back into playing Magic the Gathering on Magic the Gathering Arena. Really big. Uh, it's super fun. And like... It's collecting cards without having to have them take up physical space in your house, which I love. Yeah. Uh, now, so I thought it, you didn't like the online games because they just offered you all the sets right away. Well, and there wasn't a random element. Oh. Um, no, no, that doesn't bother me. I mean, there is still a random element because you you like use points that you earned from winning matches to buy okay. booster packs to like build up your collection. So, uh, I do like that. Uh, the thing I don't like is playing against actual human beings, but there's a setting where you can just have it automatically mute everyone, and then I just pretend that they are robots. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, so that's fine. I do want to say that they should ban Ruin Crab, and I can't believe they still haven't. There's like a huge internet community about banning Ruin Crab, and they just won't do it, and it sucks, and I hate it. What does that one do? <clears throat> Ruin Crab, so there's a type of deck called a mill deck in Magic the Gathering, where instead of playing the game, all you do is make your opponent uh, put all of their cards in the trash, and then they can't play any cards, and then they lose. Uh, and it sucks, and like everyone hates it except for the trolliest of trolls who are like, haha, it's funny that you're mad. Um, and But like the trade-off has always been, uh, if you make a mill deck, it's really hard to win because even though if you win, it makes the, the whole game experience bad for the other person, you have to do quite a lot of stuff and like dedicate all of your deck to making that happen. So the other person could be like, well, here's a dragon and I killed you the end. Mm -hmm. However, Ruin Crab is a one mana creature that has three health and no attack and you put it down and then every time you play a land, everyone else just mills three cards. Yeah. So you don't even have to dedicate any of your deck to it. They're already pretty good blocker creatures. You just put them down, and then the whole rest of the game, in addition to whatever else you're doing, the person, everyone you're playing against, is just constantly milling all of their cards. Yeah, it sucks, no. and I hate it, and I can't believe they haven't banned it yet! Anyway, that's not important, and Magic the Gathering is boring. <laughs> Uh, then I was going to talk about, I, wa I started watching the CW series Stargirl, which is in the DC universe, uh, and it is very similar to The Flash. It is sort of like if The Flash was Bu Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hmm, I haven't um, even heard of this. Yeah, I don't know if it's if they aired it. It's on HBO Max. Was, I don't know if there's any uh, other place to watch it. It was originally a uh, DC Universe exclusive streaming title and then got canceled by them because that uh, whole streaming platform fell apart and the CW picked it up for another season. Okay. So it's it's very good. I'm actually really enjoying it. Luke Wilson is in it and he's a, like very, very good in it, surprisingly. <laughs> huh. Um, actually, I think Luke Wilson is always pretty good. Is he Stripe? Anyway, he, yes, he is Stripe. Nice. Uh, it's a very good show. Uh, it deals a lot with, like, it's like a teen soap opera, but with superheroes. I mean, just like Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a teen soap opera, teen soap opera but with magic. Uh, so if that's the kind of thing you like, you should watch it. But what I want to actually talk about is 
last night and to, or last night and the night before, Jen and I watched a couple of movies to fill in some of my horror movie bona fides of the movies I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. So we watched Poltergeist and then It. Okay, and which before, version of it? Well, yes. Before okay. we get too deep, I should say it was the 1990 movie It, starring Tim Curry as It. Okay. Or Pennywise. Now I see why you wanted to connect that to Poirot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so I need to talk about this a lot. And I need... Jeff, you are a fan of Stephen King, correct? Yes. I need you to explain everything. Okay. So, okay. I will there do this gonna, for you. There are going to be some minor spoilers for it uh, over the course of the next five minutes. So for if you what? Don't... Mm, we can do a real who's on Ooh, first about yeah, this. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, what are we spoiling? It. <laughs> ah, I hate this already. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, Louis, have you seen it? it? Uh, any version of it? No, I haven't. Can I tell you what I think it's about? Sure. There's a bunch of kids in a New England town, probably in Maine. And yes. they have terrible home lives, and then they figure out that there's a uh, thing that's whispering to them from the sewers, and it's trying to lure them down there, and one kid goes down there and gets killed, and then the rest of them realize that it's an alien somehow, and then they have to fight it. That's all I got. So, you know, that's not bad. <laughs> it's not. It's not. You're very... You're you got the like, broad strokes, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay. There are so many things, though. Like... The thing that makes me insane about Stephen King as a writer mm-hmm. is that he does such a good job of setting up, like, themes and possible, like, resolutions to the story that would be satisfying, and then he's like, actually, fuck all that, I'm just making up some bullshit. <laughs> like, the whole story revolves around the idea that, like, only kids can see Pennywise, uh, and, okay. like... All of the things that Pennywise does, like, he will flood a room with blood and the kids are freaking out, but the adults can't even see it. They don't react at all to it. And it's freaking these kids out. And Pennywise keeps on catching these kids and dragging them into the sewer or whatever. Um, and so, like, one of the major themes of the story is belief. Like, when the kids come back as adults, Pennywise says to a character at one point, uh, I can't kill them if they don't believe in me. Mm-hmm. So... The whole thing, you're like, you, I felt watching it like, okay, this is a commentary on like how mind over matter, like, if you believe in things, then they can affect you even if they're not real, etc., etc. So I'm like, okay, this is a creature that like somehow exists only as belief, and it's like, uh, you know, in order to defeat him, you have to believe you can or whatever. Nope, he's a giant spider. Oh, okay. What? You can't do that, Stephen King. If why did you say I can't kill them if you if they don't believe in me? If you're a fucking giant spider, you can kill them. You're a giant spider. You want to enjoy it though. That's the thing. Have you considered, man? Have you considered? You don't even need to eat them if you're not going to enjoy eating them. If they're not afraid of you, just kill them. You don't have. Have you considered that the giant spider evil clown from space was lying? Why? Then why go to the trouble of breaking that guy out of the insane asylum? Because he's an asshole. (laughs) The main thing about Pennywise is he's just a huge, malevolent dickhead. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, there every way in which that could have ended would have been more satisfying than him just being a giant spider. (laughs) Like... 
I thought for the longest time that it was going to be that one of the kids was Pennywise all along. Like, because he can shape change into anything anyway. Like, if he really wanted to torture these kids, if that was the thing that he wanted and he can shape change into anything, he should have joined their group as one of the kids and made them all love him and then betrayed them. That would have been fucking great. But no, he's just a giant fucking spider. (laughs) It's just bonkers how much this this story hints at you that there's going to be something satisfying and then there just isn't. Here's here's the the thing about it. Um it The thing is a different movie. Ah, God damn it. Not a different shapeshifter. Uh yep. it is an unadaptable novel and they've tried to adapt it twice now. Uh and both times have failed in different ways for different reasons. Was he not a giant spider in the more recent one? Uh, I have not watched the more recent one yet, so please don't spoil okay, it too okay. much for me. Uh, they are they are both fairly uh, they're uh, monsters of some kind. Similar depictions of the eponymous nameless monster. Okay, um, but um, it's just like it's one of those Lovecraft style, impossibly ancient, you can't comprehend its true form type of thing. Um, I have read Stephen King talking briefly about why he wrote the book, It, and it's about, uh, the thing he connected it to was, um, uh, uh, homophobia, in that, uh, people had beaten up and I think possibly killed a, a gay man in a town, and he was like, this, uh, evil is under the surface. But, wasn't the idea that the creature It feeds on the evil that people do to each other? Yeah, that could be it but it also at one point says that it feeds on fear but then also when they find the bodies of the children some of them have been literally eaten so Mm. does he eat their flesh or their fear or their hate or what maybe he just eats them because he knows how much more horrible that would be to find than just a dead body yeah he uh he is literally some kind of space monster but also has some sort of magic powers uh, like Dark Tower weird, incomprehensible magic type stuff that's stupid. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the whole thing is best if you don't try and figure out, like, what Pennywise's deal is. Uh, that's insane. No, you, you have to look at it in a, in a purely metatextual way. Sort of like if you look at, uh, Batman as, like, literally a billionaire who punches the mentally ill until, uh, they pass out, then it's not interesting to read Batman anymore, uh, unless you take him as, like, Right, but he's not real is the main thing, so you have to look at him as an element of a story in order for him to be uh, good. Uh, And I think that it is similar in that um, you have to kind of take, like, Pennywise and Derry are in a a symbiotic relationship where they are... Derry is the town that it takes place in. Uh, the premise of all of Stephen King's novels is, wouldn't it be messed up if there was a town? Um, yes. Yeah. I like that <laughs> it, it lives in the sewers, so it's literally the most ham-handed metaphor to be like, look at the evil that lurks right under this town. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stephen King based uh, it on the Billy Goat's Gruff. <laughs> he was like, what if the Billy Goat's Gruff troll was a clown and under the bridge was the sewer? 
So, okay, I do need to, to bring up a few other more minor points that I need someone to explain to me. Okay. I'll do my Number best. Number one, and this is, like, more of, I guess, a problem with the production. I don't know if this is in the book or not, but they, so, in order to find the giant spider at the end to fight it, first of all, they fight it by kicking it, and it's like, if you could have kicked this thing to death, why didn't someone do this a long time ago? But whatever. That's how kids handle all their problems when they're Well, they're adults up. by this point, oh, okay. but they still just, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's a whole part where they're gonna throw silver earrings at it, and they're like, oh, well, silver will kill it because silver kills evil, and you're like, oh, okay, it's because these kids believe that it'll work, that that's why it's actually going to work. No, it is that it's weak to silver, and they just <laughs> kick it to death. What the fuck? Anyway... <laughs> They get to, so they find the the lair by the the dead brother of the main character gives him like a little boat a toy boat that they shared and that. then the main mm-hmm. character puts it in the water and the boat leads him to Pennywise's uh, lair. <clears throat> the ghost is an illusion created by Pennywise. Why did he le- lead them to the lair so that they could kill him? He's horny for getting murdered, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they get to the the lair and there's like a little wooden door into the lair. Who built that door? <laughs> was it was it the spider? <laughs> Uh, he's, why, how long has he been there? Build... 20 years? He's got to fix up his no. house a lot. <laughs> like several hundred years. Oh, well then. There uh, you go. But why build a door? <laughs> You're a spider! You can alter reality. He just made that door with space too, magic. It was too small for him to fit through as a spider. Yeah, yeah. for the kids to make it nice. Make it nice for guests. Yeah, he, make, he <laughs> makes it appear when he knows he's going to have company over. Then make it a nicer door. It was like made out of like driftwood. It was no, like a that, cobbled together old door. He's genre aware. He knows that he's in a horror movie. That's so stupid. No, he wants oh. to make it spooky. He wants to make it spooky for his friends of the Losers Club, Matt. Come on. Um, <laughs> again, Again, if the Friends of the Losers Club was more literal and he had infiltrated them as a shapeshifter, that would have been fucking amazing and a much better story. Mm. Um, There's different Stephen King stories about confronting the evil within yourself. This is more like confronting the evil in your community, right? Yeah, pretty much. There's a part when they're all adults, they all get back together and they're like, hey, we called ourselves the Losers Club, but we are all like, insanely over-the-top successful as adults. That's pretty ironic, right? And then me, the audience, I'm like, hmm, that is interesting. Like, they've all somehow achieved phenomenal success in their various fields, despite their fields being really hard to be successful in. Mm -hmm. Like, one is a professional comedian, one is a professional architect, one is a fashion designer. Um, And and I'm like, oh, this is going to be important. Like, the, the, their... The, something about Pennywise is manipulating them. Maybe this has all been an illusion the whole time. Mm-hmm. Nope, they never mention it again. They're like, "Ha, that is ironic." The end. Yeah, no, and that they is... all become so rich and bored that they turn into Batman's. Yeah, I mean, listen, one of the characters is just a Stephen King self insert, uh-huh. and his mullet ponytail is almost as offensive as the fact that he's always like. Yeah, I mean, I am the most successful author of all time, but like, it's pretty boring, actually. Like, <laughs> fuck you, Stephen King. Yeah, but he's played <laughs> he's played by Harry me. Anderson, so it's not exactly flattering, no, that's right? The comedian <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, right. Oh yeah, Stephen it's King's also even. a magician also, on the side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, that kid, the 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 Stephen King self insert as a kid is played by Jonathan Brandis. Uh, oh no. And Jonathan Br- 
Jonathan Brandis is one trillion times better an actor than the adult version of that character in the miniseries, <laughs> and you're like, oh no, please go back to the kid. God, that was one of the weird things about the new movies, is mm. when, like, they made the first one with no adults, nobody famous is in it. Uh, there's, like, a fourth-tier Skarsgård as Pennywise, and that's the best you got. Uh, Don't they have some of the Stranger Things in there? Yeah, one of the Stranger Things is in there, but he got cast, like, after the first season of Stranger Things, which... The good season. That was the only good season of Stranger Things. Right, but it hadn't blown up into a full cultural phenomenon yet, really. Um, I don't know. Barb was a thing after the first season. That's Everyone true. had those shirts about Barb. Yeah, we yeah. put her on Riverdale and then gave her her own Hulu show or something. Um, yeah, uh, but they, um, then for the second one, they were able to cast, like, several extremely famous actors who are very good at acting, and then not a screenwriter who could write a sequel to it. Yeah, well, I mean, if the if it's any consolation, Stephen King couldn't write it either because <laughs> the the plot of this is absolutely bonkers, insane. Uh, there's a part where I, I learned that this is from the book. It makes more sense in the book, but in the miniseries, when uh, Pennywise first confronts the uh, the like class clown character, he yells, "Beep beep, Richie, beep beep," and that is not. A thing from previous that just comes out of yep. nowhere. They do the <laughs> same thing like, in the goddamn movie, even though it's a- <laughs> and it's like the greatest thing in the whole world. Because as I'm watching it, I'm like, I fucking love Pennywise. He is so fucking weird, and he's just having so much fun, and I love it. And then I found out that that was like the character's catchphrase before he met Pennywise in the book, and that's why he was doing it, and that ruined it for me. It was so um in my head. It's just Pennywise just yelled beep beep. <laughs> <laughs> um it's uh it's the thing his friends say to him when they want him to shut up because he's being an asshole but they also love him because he's their friend right uh the yeah. last thing i want to say is that it's very upsetting how deeply horribly misogynistic stephen king's novels are yeah. i don't know if they got better later but uh not for what i've seen <laughs> Apparently, we again, we were reading up on stuff on Wikipedia about the books because we couldn't understand this movie at all because it's so terrible. The ending, the first three quarters of it are amazing and so good. And then the ending, you're just like, what the fuck? You, you, you wrote the beginning like you had an idea of how you were going to end it and then you didn't do it. <laughs> That's so weird. Maybe they ran out of money. Is that possible? I think he forgot what he was going to do in the ending, and he's like, I don't have time to read back all this shit I wrote. I'm just going to go with whatever feels right. I think that anyway. part of it is the, like, the screenwriter is is not going to be allowed to completely change the ending, which is an ending that only kind of works in book and could not <laughs> possibly work in adaptation. <laughs> yes. Um, but apparently there's a part, so the, the Losers Club of Kids uh, is uh, six boys and one girl. I know where you're um, going with this, and I wasn't going to bring it up. Go on. <laughs> and apparently in the book, there is a scene where the girl who has been a, a the subject of uh, sexual assault decides that the way to bring the group together is for her to have sex with all of the other boys in the group. Yeah. Stephen King, you can't, and you shouldn't, and you definitely should not have, and how are we okay with this? Yeah, it's a extremely strange scene in the book. I think the thing he's going for is, 
Well, if they have the uh, innocence of youth, they can never escape Pennywise's maze, so they all have to boink. Uh, but that's weird and stupid. And why would the character of Bev be okay with that being the solution to their problem. I don't know. They're all they're all like 10 in the book. It's, it's super weird. Yes, it's gross. very gross. And in the miniseries, they obviously edit that out because any human being... The fact that the editors didn't go to Stephen King were like, hey, bud, you can't do this. You know you can't put this in there, right? Oh, I, I don't think his editors they, read it. It was a 450,000 word novel. <laughs> I think they were just like, listen, we cut stuff out of the stand, but if you're gonna give us something longer than that, we're just gonna publish it. <laughs> sight unseen. Yeah, that's Filibustering your way into getting published is a great Another uh, chapter? They, Jesus Christ! They obviously cut the child sex scene out of the, the TV series. Yeah. Uh, however, they do have the... When the they are all adults hanging out together... Um, what is her name? Be- uh, the, the, the lady Bev. who plays Superman's mom on Smallville mm. is the, the actress. Uh, and she's, like, like, kissing all of them and, like, like sexually flirting with all of them all the time and you're just like what is this character she's 90s (laughs) it's so bizarre though it's not even just it's to the point where you're like is she supposed to have had her brain altered by pennywise in some way that she can't do anything but but sex she is just sex now it's very upsetting oh that was the thing i wanted to comment on earlier i it's interesting that the um the TV version mentions the, like, fact that they've all been really successful and then doesn't dive deeper into it at all. Because that is, like, okay. sort of important. Um, like, the idea is that uh, the reason that they were able to send Pennywise away the first time and the reason they're able to defeat him eventually is because each of them is, like, special and magic in some way. Uh, and then also, another important thing is none of them have children. Yeah. Which is sort of like, maybe fighting Pennywise just, like, ruined them, or maybe they've been intentionally avoiding having children because they don't want Pennywise to eat their children. But in the miniseries, at least, Bev is pregnant at the end. Oh, I don't remember if that's true in the book or movie. Hmm. Or, anyway, yeah, I don't remember. Um, I think that someone should rewrite the last third of the of it to make it into a good story why don't you start a kickstarter to do a fan uh suite yeah. you just do that last third it's uh yeah. it's such a weird thing because like with a movie or a tv show you really really gotta nail the finale like the look at friggin game of thrones there's yeah. six seasons of beloved television, one season of, like, that wasn't very good, and then the last season is just so bad that everyone immediately forgot about the show that they liked, <laughs> even though yeah, I disagree. <laughs> the ratio of good to bad seasons is still mostly good seasons. Yeah. But, but here's the thing, and this is the same reason why Game of Thrones, uh, I think, was ultimately a failure, is because... The whole act of storytelling is about seeding expectations in your audience and then providing a catharsis at the end where those expectations are met or interestingly subverted. And both Game of Thrones and it 
do the seeding very well where as you're watching it you're like i'm gonna try to figure out what this means oh this must mean something it's so significant etc etc and then at the end they're like uh okay well we gotta get to the end so uh forget about all that stuff and do this thing instead and like oh yeah we mentioned dragons one time so we're gonna have a dragon here but it's not really that important like they you you can't you gotta nail the dismount Mm -hmm. on all of that setup and they just didn't (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah. that uh that Zack Snyder's Watchmen problem of like, why did you ADR in a bunch of stuff about genetic engineering if you changed that part of the story? Right. <laughs> and I think that that's what like I think that the Game of Thrones books may be able to. Uh, yeah, know, I think he's never going to finish them. But, yeah, the yeah. problem with the show is books can have a good conclusion, and that's why I would say it is maybe more of a failure. But with Game of Thrones, they just started doing whatever fans liked or what they thought fans would like, well, and then the didn't know what to do. That's the thing. I think like. I think they woefully misjudged fan like when fans are all online and they're like, "Ooh, I bet this is true. Ooh, I bet this is true." You as the show writer shouldn't be like, "Okay, well, we can't do that." <laughs> like people like it when they're right predicting things. It's okay. If that was the thing you were setting up, just do it. Yeah. If it's okay. If you are going to make a TV show, that people are going to theorize what's going on on Reddit about it, you're not allowed to look at Reddit while you are writing the TV yes. show. Not even exactly. between yes. seasons. Because the thing oh. is, there's so many people, like uh, like even a Poirot story. If you only have a certain number of characters in the show, it's one of those characters, or else it's not yeah. satisfying. So it's always one of those characters. If you have people just talking online, someone's going to decide that it's the character that it is. And you can't look and be like, well, it can't be that then. And, oh, it can't be this one either. It can't be any of them, actually, because someone's guessed all of them. Ugh. Yeah. Like, look at uh, Westworld Season 1. People, like, deduced based on clues from watching the show what some of the twists were going to be. And that, when the twists were revealed was cool but it was also really clear that that is what the writers intended to happen and not like they didn't have anything in mind and then they looked at reddit and went wow that's a good idea yeah (laughs) yeah looking at you jj abrams in star wars episode (laughs) nine yeah oh my god that's yes uh i feel like like a like a steven universe did a pretty okay job at this of like sticking to their guns yeah. even though there were so many fan theories about it and like i don't think they even ignored the fan theories they were just like i think somebody at the beginning wrote down this is what's happening and then they just stuck to that and didn't change it even if a better idea came along i think yeah. you have to do that yeah i think that's true yeah that uh, that really impressed me because there's like stuff that is seeded from the first episode that doesn't right. doesn't get revealed f- until like season five <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and, like, a lot of the stuff that came out in the, at the end of Steven Universe was stuff that was in fan theories, although maybe not 100% correct. Um, but, like, I just feel like they didn't let those fan theories dissuade them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just That's just what you have to do. Yeah, you gotta just, like, be okay with some people are gonna figure it out if you have a long-form mystery. Yeah. And people will like that. People will people like when fan theories are correct. You don't have to be unpredictable all the time. Yeah. 
Okay, we have talked way too long about this, and we need to get into our wiki house. So, yeah, it's important. We have to help people now. I can't believe we didn't mention the Joker in all that time talking about Pennywise, <laughs> the dancing We talked clown. about Batman so much already. I know, that's wow. what, that makes it more surprising to me. <laughs> uh, so what we do on this show is we put a random word into the WikiHow article suggestion page, so that we can look at the articles people have been searching for and not finding on WikiHow, and then we explain to those people how to do the things they need to do. And today, the random word we got was coverage. Oh, it's super boring. <laughs> a lot of this is going to be about insurance, so buckle in for that. Luckily, we talked a lot about it, so <laughs> we don't have to... You're already of aware of the horrors risk. people can do to one another. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You don't even think about insurance. You're already aware of the danger of those clowns at the insurance company, am I right? Ooh, got him. Commentary. Mm. Commentary. Ah! Is that wow. anything? Pre- it's, <laughs> that's the, the main idea of this episode. Pretty good. I uh, so when it. I saw the word coverage, I immediately thought of uh, some places those terms are used, which are makeup and underwear. And I see makeup on here. I don't see underwear. So there's that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of cell phone stuff, insurance, and yeah, that's basically it. Ooh, I like, uh, well, first, I do have to ask a question about the very first one on the list, and then I can save the <laughs> one I like. Uh, but yeah. get proper coverage with a lawn duster. What is a lawn duster? It's one of those coats that's like shorter than a trench coat, <laughs> but like you wear it if you're super cool and nobody likes yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. You you wear it. <laughs> you wear it to you wear it to an anime convention, and it's made of uh, astroturf. Yeah, I love the idea of somebody mowing their lawn wearing a duster. Though. <laughs> Because it's a it's simple of, machine. It's one of those little troughs that you put like grass seed into and then it sprays out. Yeah, the seed. action of pushing it forward and making the wheels turn turns a little thing so it sprays out the seed or uh, nutrients in a little circle. And I love that. That's so cool. Yep. Oh, yeah, diatomaceous earth power duster. <clears throat> yep. Huh. But I mean, Fun. if you can get proper coverage with a lawnmower, you can get proper coverage with a lawn duster. It's the same idea. Yeah, go over the lawn is what you have to do. Yeah, just go... I guess with a lawnmower you can see where you've already done. That's true. I guess to go in a grid pattern so you don't lose your place. I was just going to yeah, say, actually, divide your yard into a grid on paper and then mark the grid paper every time you cover it with uh, earth lawn dust. Be sure Could to mark you where put... you buried the treasure. <laughs> Could you mix ground up sidewalk chalk in with your whatever you're spraying Ooh. so that it colors the lawn as you're going so you know what you've yeah, done? Chalk is definitely do good for grass, right? <laughs> I know, it might be. I know some of the seed and nutrient mixes are green so that you can yeah. see where they go. What if you just mix food coloring in with whatever? Mm. I remember I lost, uh, well, I, I don't think I was like runner up or anything, but I went to a science fair in elementary school and the student who won invented uh, salt that had food coloring so you could see how much salt you were putting on your food. Mm, oh yeah, I right? Think that, that would work even. They it, already it, have, like... it did work, but <laughs> you could just buy like. Yeah, I was going to say, they already have like, volca- volcano salt that has charcoal in it and stuff already. Yeah. 
Well, weird. I, well, it was I, the nineties. We didn't have that yet. <laughs> I still don't think it would work because you would put it in and then it would dissolve, and then all of your food would just be that color. Mm, yeah, I don't your mashed remember. potatoes are orange now. We know how much Matt hates that. Yeah, I hate orange <laughs> mashed potatoes. Was that from before the show? I think it was. Yeah, Matt hates <laughs> the color orange and the food mashed potatoes, and we Nothing discussed rhymes combining. With it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's a cursed. How word. dare it not have a rhyme? Cursed. Word. How dare mashed potatoes not rhyme with anything? Yep, it's true. It's the perfect uh, syllables. It's the most <laughs> the beautiful phrase. <laughs> it's the most dumpy, dumpy pumpkin. Waterside spaghetti. <laughs> anyway. I like that How one. How do you remember all of them? <laughs> <laughs> because they're the most beautiful words in the English language. That's how. I like how Jeff reacts as if having a memory is a superpower. It is to me! I don't remember a goddamn thing except all the Pokemon's names. Yeah, yeah. that's the that's... important thing. It's you, not important! I didn't filled... do it on purpose! I didn't get to choose! You filled your hard drive with, like, viruses. It's just like all of the information got dumped in and a random number generator decided what got saved to the hard disk. Yep. <laughs> oh, very good. Good stuff. Um, some of these are very depressing. How to get, how to appeal a denial of coverage for medical conditions. And yeah. So out. much of this is like, how do I get health coverage if I don't qualify or mental health or dental or whatever? And it's yeah. like, hi guys, did you not already realize that America's health system fucking sucks balls? Mm. <laughs> you can't do it. It's trying to kill you. Yeah. The yeah. uh the entire point of insurance companies is uh doctors have to give you health care, so you pay another company to tell you no, you're not allowed to have any. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um the one about improved cell coverage, I'm assuming that's phones. Uh you can't, can you? Uh, you no, that? it's about making your skin cells bigger so they cover more of your body. Oh, so you Ew. don't get sunburned. Big... Yeah. You got super Ew. skin. <laughs> Um, you can buy for like a hundred dollars a little cell tower that you put on your house that boosts signals to gives your house. you hyper cancer. Crazy. Gives you five tumors a day. Cancer, but, well, that's why you would need all this uh, medical he- oh my God. care coverage afterwards. Matt, I know what you're talking about is probably real, but it sounds as crazy as those Faraday cages people put on their modems so they don't get the five G signals sent to their brains. Yeah, well, yeah, you should do that too. Um, yeah, no, it's just like a little, like, it's like the satellite dish, basically, that you put on top of your house. Mm, okay. But it, it doesn't connect directly to the satellite, it connects, I guess satellite dishes don't connect directly to the satellite either. Yeah, it's mm. just a satellite dish you put on your house. It sends your request for coverage to the insurance company, which denies it, and then you're not allowed to have any exactly. Wi-Fi. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> God, <laughs> depressing. Sorry, I didn't want to bring that back to that. There's several about... Uh, defeat man-to-man coverage in football. There's one about linebackers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my favorite one. How to drop into coverage from the linebacker position. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is just how to play football good? Are these questions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like, how do you move from football throwing to football hitting other men? Hmm. Uh, dropping into coverage means, like, if you're the linebacker, sometimes you're going after the uh, quarterback to get to get him. Um, uh-huh. Okay, but get, get that guy to drop. Here's a okay. Sorry, <laughs> no, go ahead. 
Here's the real question. If you wanted to drop into coverage in a more literal sense as a linebacker, would it be illegal for you to set up one of those, like, uh, ghillie suit shoots mm, on the, on the field ahead of time? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, you drop back and then you just pull up a sheet and, like, put it over you while no one can see you. And then the other team's like, wait, where did their other guy go? <laughs> the field's really lumpy over there, but that's normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um... Uh, you just, you have to run backwards and then find one of the receivers. Oh. Okay. And you, when you how say do you that, learn to follow when, him? See, how do you learn to run backwards? That seems hard. Uh, they, they, well, when you're taking uh, college classes, you don't have to do science. Instead, you learn how to run backwards. <laughs> what, oh. if, what if you stand still and just move your legs like you're running, but everyone else is running forward and then it looks Ooh. like you're moving backwards? Or or if you jump in the air because the earth is rotating, as long as it's oh, going yeah. the right way. <laughs> You gotta stay up for long enough. That's the hard part. <laughs> oh, stupid. <laughs> um, but, uh, Jeff, you know more about football than I do. When you yes. say the linebacker is going for the quarterback, are they protecting their own quarterback or are they attacking the uh, other quarterback? The linebacker is a defensive position, I believe. Okay. So they're attacking the mm. other team. Yeah. So they are, um, they are, uh, right behind the defensive line. Uh, the defensive line's main goal is to get past the offensive line to the quarterback and kill him. Okay. Uh, the linebacker is a flexible position who could either take care of any runners who are handed the ball, uh, blitz the quarterback, uh, which is a problematic way of saying- Which is electrocute him to death. Mm-hmm. Well, that's redundant. Electrocution means kill, kill with electricity. Uh, I think you can get electrocuted and survive. I think you can get electrocuted to life, like Dr. Frankenstein it's a, did. Ooh, good it's question. A, it's a, hey, this is... Sorry. It's a portmanteau of electricity and execution. We just don't have another word that means zap someone. Well, this is a semantic argument. I know, I so love we it. Just, we were talking the other day about the fact that... Um, uh, if you're good at elocution, people... does that mean you're good at killing someone? Words. <laughs> whenever you get brought back to life by electricity, you get white streaks in your hair in yes! all fiction. Like that is so cool, and I wish that that was a more prevalent theme. And also, I wish that someone would write a story where that, like, there was a social stigma against being a Frankenstein, <laughs> where people would be like, "Oh, she's one of those people with streaks in her hair." You know what that means? She's a double dipper on life. <laughs> she already yeah. died once, and now she's back again. Selfish. Yeah. Like, oh, we what? I need to support this person's uh, health me- Medicaid coverage, no, even though no, they already died once. <laughs> Commentary. Oh God. Uh, write script coverage. What could that possibly mean? Uh, I think it's like a, a screenwriting thing. But what does it mean? Do you know? Hold on. I'm uh, looking. You both have degrees no, that tell Google me you it. should be able to Jeff, answer don't this Google question. It. You can't Google it. Yeah. Nobody uses that's, Google. That's why they're asking things on Wikihow. Yeah, it's true. So what is it? Tell me. <laughs> uh, it's uh, someone who reviews screenplays. Wait, what does write script coverage mean then? Uh, you're like writing your analysis of the screenplay. Why Why is that an interesting conversation, Jeff? You just shut down the whole goof factory. <laughs> All right, oh, let's start it back up. What were you going to pretend <laughs> that script coverage if was, Matt? Frankenstein had called his castle the goof factory, would we feel differently Ooh, about the monster of Frankenstein? Would, would Oompa Loompas work there? Yes. What I would They're feel differently about... Putting Frankenstein by different body parts while singing a song. I think goofy would mean the same thing as spooky in the modern day. 
ooh, I love this. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that And that perfectly ties in with Pennywise the Clown, who is equal parts goofy and spooky. Uh, I, I fucking love Tim Curry in this movie. Yes. The fact of the matter is, because all of the adults were bad actors in the movie, except for, um, what's his face? Uh, Three's Company. Uh, Ritter. John Ritter? Yeah. Yes, John Ritter. Okay. Uh, John Ritter's great. Everyone, all the other adult actors are very terrible. So, like, by the time it gets to the point in the story where they're all adults, I was like, I want Pennywise to win. <laughs> <laughs> he's having so much fun. Uh, I know he's great in that role for not a lot of money because I have seen stills of him just smoking on set. And yeah. it's full daylight. He's holding a cigarette and he's got like those little strips of paper around his neck to make sure his makeup doesn't smudge yeah. and he's so fucking terrifying even in that context it's yep. perfect uh, it's great the way he laughs at people is like so good <laughs> i conceptually love pennywise because it's very funny to me and like in a scary way that a space alien would be like ah geez how do i lure kids into my death trap they like clowns, right? But, like, he can't quite get clown not spooky. Yeah, that's pretty good. The other thing... Okay, I'm glad we're getting back into this, because right. I do need to ask the question about... So, at the beginning, Georgie, who is the first kid that dies, mm -hmm. uh, the main character's brother, gets killed by Pennywise because he's chasing this boat, and it goes down the sewer, and then uh, Pennywise comes out. And he's like, hey, would you like a balloon, Georgie? And Georgie's like, oh, is it one of the ones that float? Uh, and then Pennywise says, they all float down here, Georgie. Mm -hmm. And that's like the thing that everyone knows Pennywise says. Fine. Right. And that, that interaction makes sense. Georgie, a little kid, would be like, oh, is it one of those shitty balloons that doesn't fly? Or uh, is it one stick? that's got I hated those balloons. Yes, exactly. <laughs> everyone hated those. Mm -hmm. So, like, I love that interaction. It made sense. It was good. The kid made sense as a character. Then later on, whenever Pennywise encounters anyone, he's like, come on down here. We all float down here. And I wanted them to be like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I wasn't there when you had the conversation about the balloons. It's perfect. It's just a spooky thing to say. <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have oh. to. He's a spooky space alien clown monster. He just right. says spooky and stuff. <laughs> And again, if it was like, he's an alien and he barely understands language, so like, this is him just trying to interact with people, it would be cool. But in order to do that, you'd have to have at least at one point one of the other characters be like, why does he always say it floats? What does that mean? I think they're too busy being terrified of the clown who will eat them. Sure, run away from the clown now, but then you all get somewhere and you're all talking about like... What that was weird that he we said that it? thing about floating, yeah, right? <laughs> right! They should have said that! Uh, that should like, have been a conversation. It's like a scary person yelling at you on the subway where they're like, I want to eat your ass, and then you get away. You're like, did he say he wants to eat my ass? <laughs> Is that yeah. what he said? Like, in a sexual way? <laughs> um... Also, there's a part where one of the kids is trapped in a house with Pennywise, and then they hold up a bird book because they're very into, like, bird spotting, and they re recite the names of the birds, and that, for some reason, drives Pennywise away. And again, I think it's supposed to imply, like, oh, well, their belie his belief in, like, science, uh, like, protected him from Pennywise or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I really wanted the end of it to be that Pennywise is just afraid of birds. <laughs> that would be great. Ooh, what if every, what if every horror creature was afraid of another horror creature? <laughs> if you're gonna undercut my 
expectations and give me an unsatisfying ending anyway, Stephen King. Okay, hold on, hold on. I think that he's afraid of birds. That would be so cool. We need to rewind to Louisa's last thing she said, which implied that birds were horror movie monsters? Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a horror movie called The Birds. Uh, Yeah, and the horror of it is that birds are just a regular thing, but in this one, too much. Also, if you think about it, Nosferatu is kind of a bird. Count Orlock. Matt. Yes. I guess. No, hold on. You say regular things are horrible. That's the whole point of it. He's a clown, but he's horrible. Yeah, but he's also sometimes the mummy and the wolfman. He's just like whatever people uh, are scared of. Or a bird. Yeah. Yeah. People are scared of birds. People are scared of the mummy. There's also an amazing scene where John Ritter uh, is in love with the girl and she comes and she's like, I love you too. And then they start making out. And then it turns out that the thing he's making out with is Pennywise the Clown. (laughs) And the fact that he's making out with Tim Curry the Clown (laughs) is so fucking good. He's got clown makeup all over his face afterwards. It's incredible. (laughs) I love that it's this big, like... This big brave novel about how homophobic hate crimes are bad, and then like sometimes there's just a little bit of gay panic in there as a gag. Yeah, <laughs> like come on, I man. Really, I really thought that one of the characters was going to end up being gay. There's a whole part where he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm definitely seeing a really nice woman," and I was like, "Oh, this character's gay." That makes was sense. it Richie, and, like, the comedian? No, Eddie, the, oh. uh, the like um, fashion designer. No, he's like a, a germaphobe kind of character. Oh, yeah. Eddie Kazbrack. Uh, I, uh, in the, the more recent film adaptation, they uh, make a more explicit reference to Richie having had a crush on Eddie the entire time. Yeah, they kind of reference that a little bit in the TV series as well, where it's like, uh, after all, in the, like, where are they now section at the end, they're like, uh, Richie started a, a new comedy career with a partner who no one was surprised to find looked a lot like Eddie, and it's like, wait, what does why that is mean? no one surprised by that? <laughs> what does that? If men are not, if it was the eighties, if men were nice to each other, that means they were gay. I guess so. I don't know. If two men had sex with the same woman when they were twelve, then that means they were gay for each other. God, I thought you were going to say if two men had sex with each other, that means they were gay. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Usually. Uh, I don't know that that means you're gay. You can just be trying some stuff out. Yeah, that's I true. Mean, like, I think if you if you have get, uh, if you have sex with another man and you like it and decide this is my thing for from now on, that's exclusively yeah. easy street so, from here on out. We've determined this one simple method. If someone has decided that they are gay, they are gay. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh-huh. There's one simple <laughs> trick to being gay is if you uh, behave and identify with the term and behaviors of gay. Well, this is yeah. this is interesting because I don't even think you need to behave in that way. If you just are like, I am gay, then you are. Yeah, that's and- true. It's just the way you have to feel. Because uh, yeah. I uh, very rarely get the chance to behave straightly. Uh, and I'm still straight. Ugh. <laughs> 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 Um, that's that's what coverage? we're going to refer to all sex acts as behaving blank insert sexuality. <laughs> that's like some exhibiting that... the behaviors of straightness. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very into that. That's some like anthropologist, yeah, like um, like gorillas in the mist stuff. Yeah, I want to. I'm going to start treating uh, sociology like a David Attenborough documentary. Yeah. <laughs> 
oh, I see that he's performing sex uh, gross. Ritual. You can That's see so much gross. You can see here uh, the human male uh, <laughs> perf- performing performing homosexuality. Performing heterosexuality. Gross. <laughs> it's just like looking at a Playboy. <laughs> dumb oh man this is a bad podcast yeah. uh, do we want to talk about makeup at all uh how, how... Do you use mineral powder foundations for full coverage louisa uh the thing that's good about mineral powder is you can't really tell you're wearing it the thing that's bad is that's because it doesn't cover very much so what you're gonna have to do is spend 10 minutes putting on layers of it and that's the way you do it what... it's gonna look great when you're done but it's gonna take forever what mineral is it made of uh, not talc, because that's the one that has been linked to cancers, I know. Because all makeups are like, we're talc-free. Um, I actually don't know. I couldn't tell you. Hmm. Is it like... Mercury? Silver? <laughs> I, I don't think it's either of those. Well, okay. You end up looking like, like a robot? <laughs> uh, if, it's, if it's silver, that'll protect you from Pennywise, so it's important. <laughs> but it's it'll absorb into your skin and you'll turn purple like that Republican. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. God, I love that. Wasn't that him drinking silver? He was yeah. taking Col- colloidal, colloidal silver, silver tablets. Yeah. Oh, so good. And he permanently dyed his skin purple <laughs> by doing why that. Why can't more libertarian shitheads just slowly kill themselves because of their dedication to freedom? Or at least <laughs> dye themselves purple so yeah. they can tell who they are. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, we need some, like, more Willy Wonka-esque ironic twists of fate happening to libertarians. <laughs> It's not even ironic. I want it to be a thing where they're like, you're not allowed to tell me what foods I can and can't eat, and then they all die of food poisoning. Yeah. Pretty good. Like, it's it's super-ronic. It's like, <laughs> the the thing, the exact thing that you were fighting against I, is what kills think, you because you were fighting for your freedom to die. I think the word you're looking for is just sincerity. <laughs> no, I don't get it. There's nothing sincere about libertarians. That's true. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the show. Uh, if you liked it, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Hack the Net Pod, or you can join our discussion in Discord by messaging us. Uh, uh, if you don't know what Discord is, it's like a, a messaging platform for gamers, for <laughs> real gamers. <laughs> it's a series of tubes. Yep. Um, and uh, you can join the chat room there if you just uh, ask us for an invitation. So you can do that by messaging us on Mastodon. I'm at Matt Heron at Mastodon.online. You can find all of my information um, by drinking exactly three ounces of my blood and crying my secret name into the night. Mm. All right. And you can find me on Mastodon at Louisa at Mastodon.xyz. Uh, you do not take Jeff's blood. Oh yeah! If they try to give it to you. Do not take it. You ha- it has to be given freely. Uh, but if you accept the gift, you're under my power. Mm-hmm. And he will try to pull you into the sewers. If you- he will be like, "Here, come take this blood," and then you try to, and then he will <laughs> come yeah. get down on this awesome blood. This blood <laughs> floats down here. Yeah, <laughs> like all blood does. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the show. Uh, if you liked it, come back next week. But in the meantime, guys, we can't keep doing this. Yes, we can. Beep beep!